What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Um, I thought this is kind of interesting uh, today. I'm actually doing this, you know, in the afternoon, as opposed to my normal podcast episodes that I do while I'm walking at night. Um, somebody had just reached out as Brian. Uh, he's the Andrew McCutcheon super collector that I just I had a brain fart. I couldn't remember his name um, when I was talking about the uh, custom dreadlock card that I did for him a while ago on on the other podcast. Um, and he asked me, Hey, where, where's your podcast at? I didn't know you had a podcast. So I told him and I looked, I was just scrolling through the episodes and, uh, come to find out today is the two year anniversary of my podcast. <laughs> so, uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to do one right now and, and maybe just kind of go through some of the articles or some of the episodes that I've uh, posted, um, and maybe briefly kind of discuss them. So the first one, uh, October 11th, 2019 is about 31 and a half minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, by the way, I'm not, I'm going to try hard not to make this like one of those boring, uh, uh, you know, television shows that's like a, a, you know, boring flashback deal where all they do is like show snippets of the, of the past or whatever. So I'll try to make this a little easier, but, um, I figured, you know, a couple of years and maybe I probably won't go through all of them because there's a lot of them. I've talked a lot over the past couple of years. Um, they anyway, said so the first one I called, uh, before there were baseball cards and, uh, yeah, so this was probably about a half a year or so, maybe, yeah, half a year, nine months uh, before I really kind of got into vintage cards or after I got into vintage cards, I was really loving, um, learning as much as I could about vintage baseball cards, especially pre-war stuff. Um, like right now, I, as I'm looking at, at some of my cards, the, uh, the oldest card I have, that's not a Canseco card is from 1934. Um, you know, I just, I love, and that doesn't that doesn't count the little binder of eighties cards that I have or anything like that. Um, but like as far as standout cards go, nineteen thirty four is the newest. Um, which uh, that kind of goes to show you, I think that I just how much I love the old cardboard. But uh, there was a time before uh, baseball cards were created. So for the most part, the publicly distributed uh, cards that were in you know cigarette packs and everything were. If I remember correctly, about 1886, the 1886 old judge, um, you know, and they, and there's also, they're more popular in 1887. They changed the design then, I think. And then, of course, you have uh, Allen and Ginter and Goodwin in 1888. And uh, then there's some cut plugs in 1895. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, you know, there were, uh, there were a handful of, of, uh, Cards like Kalamazoo Bats in the 1880s. There was, uh, I'm going, I'm going, oh, Gypsy Queen, of course. I'm going to miss a bunch of them. But anyways, they were, a lot of them were black and white or sepia tone, I guess you could say. And a lot of them were, were uh, beautiful lithographs. And, uh, but the thing is, was before that, there was really not anything in the way of baseball cards. Like you had woodcuts and i've talked about woodcuts before in the past obviously that's why i'm going over this first podcast again um but uh you know i've got one hanging on my wall uh and i've got one uh in my closet as well i'll talk about what woodcuts are to begin with and i'll tell you what i have so um what woodcuts are is they were kind of a means to uh mass producing illustrations 
before they really could mass produce photography. So what they would do is, is an artist would draw a picture and, you know, some of these artists are just absolutely incredible. Like they would, they nail the likenesses of these baseball players, you know, just really well for the most part, a lot of times. Uh, what another person would do is they would take that drawing and they would carve it into wood blocks. And when they're done with that, they would actually ink up the wood block and they would stamp the wood block on paper. And you know, this, this allows for somebody to be able to copy over and over and over uh, one certain image. And so that's kind of how they did things back then in the 1800s. Uh, before photography was really a big thing and, and uh, being able to uh, print in, I think it was called halftone, if, if I remember correctly. But uh, anyway, so I've got an 1874 Boston Champions uh, woodcut from Harper's Weekly uh, that's on my wall. And I mean, so we're talking about a piece that's, you know, what, coming up on 150 years old or something like that, I guess. Uh, um, I mean, you know, I didn't do the the math, but it's, but it's very close to that. And, uh, there's some, some incredible names, uh, on this and I, I won't go through the, the history of all of them, but I'll, I'll talk, I'll tell you a few of that's on there. So Harry Wright and George Wright are pictured. Um, Al Spaulding is on it. And the one that I thought was interesting the most is Roscoe Barnes. There's a, a, a picture of him that he's kind of looking off to the right in this woodcut and uh, he is actually the person that hit the baseball's first home run ever uh which is kind of fun uh so the other one the other woodcut that i have which is my favorite woodcut um it was kind of like it's kind of like the grail of woodcuts uh it's dated all the way back in 1865 um so i mean we're talking this is like civil war era you know like piece it's a it's a really cool piece uh, and it was like, it literally was published like a few months after the civil war ended or something. Um, so inside of this, uh, issue and I, I've, you know, I have yet to frame it and I don't really even have a place to hang it. <laughs> It'll probably replace my other woodcut, um, once I do, but, um, anyways, it, it has a player by the name of James Creighton. Uh, James Creighton was probably baseball's first, uh, superstar. And when I, I talk about King Kelly and Cap Anson being baseball's first superstars, uh, I'm talking about professional baseball. Um, now we're, we're talking about going before, uh, the ball was even pitched overhand before there were professional players and everything. Right. So, uh, and, and if I recall correctly, there were, um, stories of possibly him being paid under the table to, to pitch, uh, James Creighton. So, uh, the thing that was interesting about James Creighton the most is, well, there's a couple things. Number one, uh, you know, he, uh, would pitch in such a way where his wrist would snap in such a way that the ball was almost unhittable for people and people got really upset, especially the batters. They said, that's not fair. People want to see us hit what's going on. Why are you doing this? Well, people loved it. And, uh, so, cause he was dominant. Uh, and so what happened, I believe at the age of 21, in 1862, uh, th there's a fun little story here. I mean, you know, fun now because it's like, you know, ages ago, but uh, interesting, I guess. But uh, there's a story that goes that he was, uh, that he hit a home run and he swung so hard, he injured something inside of him internally. 
And uh, because of that, a few days later, he ended up dying um, because he ruptured something, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, so obviously, I mean, because like, could you imagine if that happened to somebody today? I mean, that'd be all over the news. Um, well, so what a lot of people are not privy to because they don't have uh, this, uh, this entire issue that's, that this woodcut is in is on the other page. It talks about this happening to him because of a cricket game or something, if I remember correctly. Uh, so from what I gather and what I recall, in America, baseball and cricket were kind of uh, rivals at that point. Um, you know, baseball, we had this as a, as a sport where it was trying to, you know, be something of America's own as opposed to cricket where it was overseas. And so it's very possible, I think, um, that the writers of this newspaper maybe said this because they um because <laughs> they didn't want to associate baseball as something as dangerous <laughs> there are a lot of stories that are you know circulating uh one way or the other about this but i always i thought that was interesting especially in today's day and age the, the news uh will have a certain way about it to twist certain things to make it fit whatever narrative they want and so i think that kind of might have been the case back then as well um in any event, he was, uh, it's a monumental piece. It's the, uh, you know, the grail of, uh, of woodcuts that a lot of people would consider. So there's also uh, the earliest known uh, depiction of uh, Henry Chadwick. And uh, Henry Chadwick, if you don't know him, Google him for sure. Learn, learn about him, learn up on him. Uh, he was born in 1824. So, I mean, we're talking like these guys are old, right? So... Uh, but he's, he's considered the father of baseball, um, which is really kind of a neat deal. Um, he ended up dying in 1908, which is pretty wild that he actually made it to the 20th century. Um, uh, as I said about poor James Creighton, he didn't make it past 21. I don't think if I don't recall, if I recall correctly. So to, and to give you an idea of how, uh, big of, a name and a big of a deal he was in baseball. This uh, woodcut that I have was published three years after his death. And he, so there's a picture like kind of of him in memoriam uh, of him. And he's looking down at the baseball players of the certain, you know, championship game that's being played. Now you look at these guys and y'all, like if you get a chance, look up this woodcut because these baseball players look like they're plucked straight off of the war field from the civil war. Like, they look like civil war fighters. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, what a big difference. But in any event, like the whole point about this though was uh was that this is what fans of baseball had. They had woodcuts. And so like there's a a lot of uh, uh a big hobby that a lot of people had. Children, uh women. I don't know if men had this uh much as a hobby as much, but they would scrapbook in meaning that they would actually take, you know, cut out woodcuts, uh, take lithograph uh, advertisements, whether it be for like mayonnaise or butter or, you know, some sort of medicine or something like that. They would collect these and they would glue them uh, into scrapbooks and that would be their collection. And so that was the way that, uh, that baseball fans would uh, get closer to their favorite players is they would do this. Now in the 1880s, I think it was 1870s maybe, but I think, I think it's 1880s. That's when the color lithography explosion happened in America. 
um, where all kinds of, uh, of advertisements that were die cut and everything would, would come out. So obviously that's when, um, you know, you have like Allen and Ginter and Goodwin and all these, uh, beautiful lithographs, uh, you know, pop up as baseball cards, uh, in the late 1880s. And, uh, I remember, uh, as I was kind of, uh, doing all of my digging and investigating on the, uh, incredible story behind my King Kelly uh, Gypsy Queen card. Um, I remember as I was digging through these newspapers in the 19th century, there are periodicals that were online. So I was able to look through all of the archives and everything. Um, I started, um, I started reading through them and it was either there or book or both uh, where somebody talks about these, uh, these baseball uh, picture cards. And so it says something along the lines of, uh, how they're so drab and boring because they're just, you know, sepia toned or black and white, uh, photographs and that's it, <laughs> you know, uh, which is kind of funny because like, to me, I get goose goosebumps when I see these uh, cards for sure, uh, because they're so wildly different, um, than what they were. But, but then you go into like the Allen and Ginters and the good ones and oh my goodness, they're like some of the most beautiful baseball cards ever created, you know? Uh, but you know, so you, could you imagine, I mean, seeing these baseball cards for the first time, being so excited about collecting things that are so beautiful, like little works of art, um, on, uh, my buddy's podcast, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Kaplan, he actually runs a, uh, uh, T206 podcast and he had Keith, Keith Olbermann on it. And so he, Keith was, uh, was kind of talking about how, uh, you know, I think he was telling his dad how he thought these T206 cards were just like little, little pieces of beautiful art that are going to be worth something or a lot one day or whatever. And guess what they are. But, uh, but man, he hit the nail on the head. They're little works of art. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun to be able to see this and, and it's fun also to even kind of put yourself in the shoes of a collector back in the 19th century and really think about like, Hey, we, all we had were these woodcuts which I love woodcuts, by the way, but um, um, now we have something that's like, uh, I guess, more portable, that's more sturdy. And of course, by the way, of course, they, uh, uh, you know, would glue those in their scrapbooks as well. I mean, I've got a number of, uh, like all my Allen Ginter cards, my Allen Ginter set has, uh, came from the same uh, run that was probably collected by some way, by someone in the 19th century. And uh, they put glue on the back and they, put scrapbook, uh, put them in a scrapbook, which means that there's damage on the backs of these cards. Um, but it also is the reason why the fronts look so nice. Um, so anyways, uh, it's just fun to reminisce about, uh, about baseball cards or about, you know, before their baseball cards, like what people would do, um, which is kind of funny because we just reminisced about, you know, baseball card collecting before social media. <laughs> so it's kind of adds some parallels. Um, but anyway, so the next, uh, it, it may be based upon how long I've taken on this one, I might, you know, kind of go through uh, uh, only a few of these and maybe we'll just kind of do a reminiscing over various uh, episodes of this. But anyways, the next one um, I talked about, it's, uh, it's called Make Easy Cash at Garage Sales. Um, so you guys like, I love a good garage sale. Like it's uh, my wife actually just went, uh, the Saturday I didn't. Um, but there's something, 
exciting to me about there being like some massive treasure hunt out there. Um, I've scored some good baseball cards. I've scored some uh, great deals on other things as well. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of the same same thing. You know, you want to find things that are undervalued, buy them so you can turn around and sell them. Um, I've talked to Atticus about this quite a bit as well. Um, that he might want to add this to his, uh, you know, uh, Swiss Army uh, knife of uh, skills. I guess is to be able to see what what things are worth, uh, and you know, like gain some sort of knowledge and get a knack for you know finding things that are undervalued. And so I would imagine I probably uh, talked in the second episode that was uh, that aired on October thirteenth of 2019 about how to do that so you know quick rundown on that so the first thing is just to get out there and do it look around see what there is you have a phone you could always look online and see what a certain item is uh, has sold for in the past and you know one thing you just be very careful about of course um, is if you see let's say for instance a I don't know. I had a buddy ask me about a 1990 Donner Spo Jackson the other day. I had somebody actually offer me a 1990 Score Conseco for $25 shipped last night, which is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, the problem is, is people will sometimes value their cards based upon what other people are selling theirs for or trying to sell theirs for. So you have a boatload of knuckleheads out there trying to you know sell cards that are worth only a few pennies for, you know, sometimes $100 or more. And so... You want to make sure that what you're looking up are how much the cards have actually sold for, not how much people are trying to sell them for. That makes all the difference in the world. Last thing I want you to do is go to garage sale and think that you have uh, that you've bought a box of cards for twenty dollars that are worth two thousand dollars. Come to find out, they're worth ten dollars. <laughs> you know, so you got to be careful. Um, the more you do this, by the way, the better of an idea you'll have on what things are worth. Uh, and so the way that works, the only way that works is really if you just keep looking up things. And so this goes beyond baseball cards, obviously. I mean, I've, I've bought a hood of a Corvette. I've bought a, a, a garage full, well, it's actually a house full of, um, of uh, taxidermy birds which was kind of a crazy thing. There was a restaurant chain that actually came over and, and bought all of them from me, <laughs> which is kind of funny also. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've also bought like, uh, there was this one, uh, fun baseball one, this one baseball stand had like nine cards in it. And I saw it just peeking out of the side. I think there was like a 93 SP foil card that ended up being a Jeter, which was nice. So I, you know, and I got that whole thing for a buck and I didn't even really, uh, didn't know. I thought it might have been, you know, damaged or something, you know, but I wanted to you know, get that. So there's that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was, uh, you know, kind of a big deal. Um, a lot of toys, a lot of toys that we know about that, uh, people just want to get rid of Lego as well. Um, so there's just like a lot of ways that you can make money through going to garage sales. Um, and so that's kind of, that was kind of like the second, uh, the second episode, which is kind of funny because that, even the title seems like a departure from baseball cards. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it would be in a baseball card podcast. But anyway, so the third episode, um, and, and I'm kind of trying to guess what I talked about based upon uh, the title. 
And I think this is a good one. We might actually dive deeper into this uh, down the road. Uh, rejection breeds obsession. Now, this is kind of a fun one because um, I think all of us have, have, uh, have uh, felt this before. It's kind of a fun subject to talk about, but not necessarily fun to live through. So I know a lot of you probably have gone through a situation where you uh, go for a card and uh, it doesn't work out and you're like, it's sitting there on eBay with a buy it now or best offer or something, right? And it's a real good one, real special card to you. You hem and haw over it and you uh, mess with uh, best offer, uh, throw in an offer, but uh, the next time you try, it says, sorry, this card is no longer available. You know, let's say it's a one of one. Let's say it's a super fracture of your favorite player. You're like, oh no, I can't believe I missed out on it. Well, guess what? That... Uh, Rejection now breeds obsession. That card is now, unbeknownst to you, worth two or three times more to you than it was a few minutes prior. Uh, that has happened to me many, many, many times. You know, the one that got away, for instance. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where that's where the want lists and the dream lists are created. Uh, the top tens in our life uh, when it comes to wanting to pick up baseball cards. And uh, that's happened, like I said, a number of times to me where uh, a card, and it's, it's a good thing sometimes too, because it adds more meaning to certain cards uh, whenever we do get them, right? So like there's, like I can look at my Conseco cards here um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this uh, 1999 Fleer Brilliance 24 karat uh, gold, uh, can say it's numbered out of 24. Um, I've seen exactly zero for sale. Um, but I've had this card three times. I sold it when I, uh, sold out of my collection and then I really wanted it back and was able to trade for it. And then I sold it, uh, because somebody was willing to pay good money for it. And after that, I found another super collector that had one and, uh, you know, offered him the moon <laughs> for it, basically about as much as I sold it for, uh, uh, in trade. And so, but the thing is though, is the card means way more to me now than it would have if I just kept it. Um, and, uh, let me see if there's another one I can, uh, find like there's a gypsy queen button card that I have. I remember buying it, uh, on eBay. I was shocked that I was able to get it. And I sold it when I uh, had my sellout to a friend of mine who's a fellow super collector. And I tried for months, probably close to a year, to figure out how I can trade back for it. And I was able to, um, but the card uh, just meant so much more to me once it was out of my possession. Um, so I just had to, you know, had to get it. And uh, it was a, it was a fun thing because like I said, it not only does it add um, uh, excitement again and it refreshes your, your joy for certain cards that you're getting, it also adds to the story of the card. So a lot of the Canseco cards I have, for example, um, they have some fun stories on, uh, you know, by each of them, which is great. And I love that about collecting because that's half of the fun for me is is the story by which they came into my collection. 
uh, or came into my collection a second or third or fourth time. Um, I love it. I think it's just, uh, I think it's great fun. It adds a new dimension uh, to collecting. So, and we're running up on uh, on uh, 24 minutes here. Uh, but so let me see what else I have here real quick. The next one, and, and we'll go ahead and end on this one, is uh, turn your cards, uh, turn your collection into cards that you really want. I'm, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing that, but uh, and I've talked about this over the past couple of years quite a bit, that there are cards, and I think I just talked about this even a couple, uh, couple episodes ago, where we have uh, a lot of cards in our collection, most likely, that were complacent about, we're apathetic about. We don't really care about them all that much. I've got 150,000 cards in my garage right now that I just don't really care about. They eventually they'll be sold, but um, but I think there's some people uh, out there that listening to this that have had tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of cards uh, that might be worth some good money um, in their collection that have been there for years or decades. And they're just there because they're there. You know, no real reason, no real rhyme or reason to them. And at the same time, a lot of these collectors uh, realize that there are cards out there that they would absolutely love to get their hands on, but they can't because they don't have the funds to do so. And so what I've been a big proponent of for a lot of you collectors out there is to turn those cards that you don't care about into cash so that way you can turn that cash into cards that you do care about. Um, it is way more richer of a collecting experience when you have some cards that you just can't take your eyes off of. Uh, you know, you might have a uh, garage full of cards that your wife can't take her eyes off of because she wants them gone yesterday. <laughs> so you can kind of kill two birds with one stone here uh, if you sell them and get like a single card that's like really... Uh, uh, just really, really monumental for you, you know? And so that's kind of what that first, uh, I think that was probably the first time I've ever talked about this subject. Um, you know, is probably knowing me, I probably have like some sort of like a how to. So first of all, uh, this is what I've told other people privately is, you know, you kind of, you got to sit down and look at your collection and just make uh, three piles. You've got the piles that you're definitely keeping, uh, the cards that you're, that you don't care about at all and the cards that you're not really sure about now there needs to be certainly a, a higher level of scrutiny on the cards that you are not sure about because you do not want to sell cards that you'll regret later i've done that many 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 times um but overall i don't really regret it because it you know all of, all of my dealings have uh, have come out good uh, for the most part. But in any event, you don't want to sell a special card that has a lot of meaning to you just because you're not really sure yet if you want to get it, get rid of it or not. So maybe focus for now, at least on the cards uh, that you don't care about at all. And, uh, you know, the next step would be, you know, to determine how much money you can get out of these. Um, there's one little tip, one important trick that I want to tell you about here, though. You might have a bunch of cards right now that you're willing to sell that you uh, have paid $500 for, $1,000 for, $5,000 for. Um, and you might find out that instead of $500, you're only going to get $300. Or instead of $1,000, you're only going to get $800. Or instead of $5,000, you're only going to get $400 or maybe $3,500. 
uh, a lot of these cards, they may not be prone necessarily to go up in value. Maybe they've stuck there at that price for a long, long time. Um, I would uh, suggest to you to think about this long and hard if uh, you want to keep them forever, potentially, just because you can't get every penny out of them that you, uh, that you put into them or not. So sometimes the answer is take a loss because you might... Let's say it's a $5,000 deal. So you end up putting in $5,000 into some cards. You can only sell them for $3,500. Now you have $3,500 to find a deal, you know, to find a deal that might be worth $6,000 instead, or maybe it is only $3,500 or maybe it's $4,000 or $5,000. But in any event, there'll be something that you really, truly love. And you will not be able to do that a lot of times without getting the capital out of the cards that you don't care about all that much. So that's just kind of a, that's kind of a rundown anyways of the first four episodes. If you haven't listened to my uh, older stuff, you know, it's uh, anchor.fm forward slash tan dash man dash baseball dash fan. Or you could just go to my website, tanmanbaseballfan.com, click on podcast at the top and it'll go there. So if you haven't listened to my older stuff, scroll all the way down. I don't know how many I have. Let me take a look real quick. Yes, I just counted. I've got close to 150 uh, episodes. And as I've said before, I will say this all the time. (laughs) I use the term episodes lightly. I use the term podcast lightly. Uh, There are some interviews, especially early on that I've I've, uh, uh, hosted on my show. But a lot of this really isn't a show as much as it is just a library of me talking. (laughs) You know, like talking about baseball cards. I think some of you all... Uh, yeah, just listen to this in the background uh, while you're doing something else or if you're maybe I'm keeping you company while you're driving or or working or whatever which is you know perfectly fine by me obviously um, and uh, you know but I've, I really appreciate all of you that have reached out saying that you love this thing that I'm doing whatever you call it um, and uh, there's some people that have said hey I just found your podcast and I've listened to every single one of them and uh, first of all my goodness can you I can't imagine having to put up with my voice for that for that many episodes. But uh, in any event, I really appreciate you all listening. Um, and uh, yeah, I would like to. I think I'm going to have to go through some of these older podcasts and you know bring up a few new things here. That's uh, I think that we have some good topics to you know kind of rehash, so to speak. So um, anyway, so that kind of ends it for today. Uh, we like I said, this is the two year anniversary of my podcast. We kind of talked over the first four episodes ever, which was before there were baseball cards, making easy cash at garage sales, rejection breeds obsession, and then uh, turn the cards in your collection that you don't want into cards that you do. So thank you as always for listening and I hope you all have a great day.